Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. We're going to look at one verse of Scripture today, and uh, it's going to launch us into a teaching on the fact that Jesus Christ is our healer. So uh, last week we started to preach about the four-square gospel. Oh, so turn to Acts 10.38. <laughs> That's where you need to go. But last week we started to preach about the four-square gospel, and we told you, uh, and you may never see it on the sign, or you wouldn't really have any reason to know uh, other than I'm telling you right now, uh, and it's not that we're ashamed of it, we just don't have it very well posted or anything, but the bottom line is this is part of a denomination. This is a four-square church, and it's part of a denomination, and we, we believe that denominations are good. I know you hear things about, oh, denominations. What's bad is denominationalism, right? Anything you turn into an ism is a bad, but doesn't mean that denominations are bad. They're actually good. They're, to me, they're like flavors, uh, my wife loves ice cream. Rhonda just loves ice cream. You don't have to talk very hard. Like, let's get some ice cream. Oh, yeah, she's a... But here's the thing, and I, I like ice cream too, uh, not as much as she, but one of my favorite flavors of ice cream is coffee-flavored ice cream. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, that to me is like the perfect balance of flavors. When you can put coffee, and a lot of times we'll go down to this favorite ice cream shop of ours down in Roseburg, Oregon, and I'll order a cone with coffee on it, and she's just over there going, the whole time. And I'm like, no, this is the best. You know, this is what I order when I really want this flavor of ice cream. And she gags at the thought of it. She wouldn't eat, if all ice cream were coffee flavored, she would not eat ice cream. That's how bad she doesn't like the taste of coffee. I don't understand that. I don't know how we even got married under these circumstances. It's... <laughs> and, and, and so if every church was coffee flavored, so to speak, right, then some people would have a hard time finding the flavor that fit for them. Does that make sense? And so we believe that, and we, so we celebrate denominations. We believe that they're like Baskin-Robbins. There's 31 flavors out there. Find one you like. Uh, but don't ever eat licorice ice cream. That's just wrong on <laughs> many levels. <laughs> don't you agree? <laughs> it's just awful. Who would do that? I mean, they, I shouldn't even ask because I'll mock you if you do raise your hand, so I won't ask. <laughs> it just looks bad. It's just, I don't know. Licorice should not be an ice cream. Okay. But uh, we talked this about this last week, too. We said that foursquare was an old word that means something that's well-built or forthright, just going, fo going forward in a solid way. Uh, it's also a play on words because we believe four things uh, specifically about Jesus. That's not all we believe about him, but there's four major attributes of who Jesus Christ is represented by these four symbols. We believe that Jesus Christ is Savior, represented by the cross. We believe that Jesus Christ is the healer, which is what we're going to talk about today, represented by the cup. And at the end of the service, we're also going to receive communion, and uh, that cup will be a reminder to us of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, and that the stripes upon his back were for our healing. We also believe that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. And finally, on Palm Sunday, which will work out just nicely, we'll talk about the fact that Jesus Christ is our soon coming King. And uh, we also said last week that we don't hold all four of these uh, major doctrines about Christ equally. Of course, the most important is that he's Savior, right? And that we understand that we are, our sins are forgiven. Even if nothing else ever happens, we want to make sure we know that. But these things are very important to us, and so we preach them. And so today, we're going to look at, again, the fact that Jesus Christ is our healer. And, uh, and uh, so, again, after we preach the word, we're going to get after this idea of having and receiving communion together. For, and we're also going to have prayer for physical healing today. Now, and the reason we're going to wait till the end is because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm going to preach the word to you. Your faith's going to get built up and we're going to believe God for some miracles today. Are you right? 
Okay, so let's look at Acts 10.38. Hopefully you're there. If not, just listen because it's just one verse. But uh, I really want to just, again, use this as a launch pad to talk about this subject of Jesus Christ, our healer. It says in Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all. Would you say those two words with me? Go. Healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And, uh, and I'm also going to put another verse on the screen. I'm not going to do it, but they're going to do it. But uh, Matthew 8.16, I just want you to see uh, an experience from Jesus' life in the Gospel of Matthew that talks about when this actually happened. Acts is telling it after the fact. This is describing it on the ground as it happens. It says, when evening came, and by the way, in this particular passage, uh, Jesus had been healing people all day long. He had healed uh, a, a woman's daughter. He had healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And now evening comes, it says, and many who are demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word. And here's that same idea again. He healed all the sick. You see that? He healed all the sick. And then, this is what's important to see here, is Matthew makes a correlation, he makes a connection between what he just said, that he healed all the sick, and now he connects this uh, to an Old Testament scripture. He says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah, 600, 700 years before Christ, prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53. You could look it up later. But this is what he said. He took up our infirmities. Now, that, that, that word is a root word that means uh, without strength, just lack of strength, weakness, basically. And then, uh, and it says he bore our diseases. Diseases is also translated sicknesses and includes uh, not only just sickness of your body, but sickness of your mind, sickness of your emotions, and moral sickness as well. So there's a lot of sickness being covered. So he healed those things. Uh, he, 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 he uh, excuse me, he bore our diseases and uh, he healed all that were there. So he did that. He did his healings, and then we're connecting the dots now that that's to fulfill what Isaiah said he would do. Are you with me? Let's pray about that. God, thank you for sealing your word to our minds, and as we just go through this teaching today, I pray that it'll become very real, very relevant, and Lord, that we, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your power upon us today so that as we pr- uh, hear the word and our faith is encouraged, that we would also see some set free today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. We had a great night this last Wednesday night at Reach, didn't we, Brent? I thought that went so well, and... Um, And after we looked at God's Word, we all kind of just sat on the floor, which when you're 60, that sounds like a good idea until you have to get back up. But anyway, so I sat down on the floor with the youth, and and we were just talking about a lot of different things, but the subject of of uh, healing the sick and that sort of thing... um, came up, and then I really don't remember how this conversation came around. I'm sure Giselle probably does, but, but anyway, because she's smart, but, and Emma too. But I was just sitting there, and somebody asked me the question, have you ever called in sick on a Sunday? <laughs> Which is, you know, that's, that makes sense, right? Because people call in sick to work. And I said, you know, the truth is, in 20 years, almost 20 years of pastoring, I've only ever had to call in once to say, I can't come today. And I was telling them about that experience, and... Um, I told them, I explained to them that I was very, very sick and that I, there was something that was in my body that wanted to get out and it didn't care which end it came out. <laughs> so that's as much as I'll say about that. And everybody, oh, they actually thought that was quite humorous. I don't remember it being a humorous event at all. But uh, so there's no way I could have been here. But, but isn't God good? Because that particular Sunday that I, 
I was not feeling well and I was really in a bad way, uh, we had already scheduled a missions team that we'd had to, to share in the service, so it was covered. Isn't that just the goodness of God? I mean, I just think of how that could have not been any other time. So, so you know, the, here's the deal. Sometimes, you know, as a pastor, have I come on Sundays when I haven't been feeling well? I sure have. You know, I've dealt with that before, and, uh, and sometimes uh, it's not pleasant, but, I, but you show up anyway, and you just show up sometimes, right? But, but I really believe that God wants his people set free from sickness and dealing. And, and so as I was getting ready for this message, I'm going to be really uh, frank with you if I can be and really honest, is this was a really tough week of study for me. I don't know why. I love this topic. This is like my wheelhouse. I just adore preaching about this particular subject. But for some reason, every time I would look at the, the book and I'd, you know, I'd look into the book and I'd look at some of my notes that I had and different things, it was like my mind was just swimming and, and I wasn't getting a real connection and I I really started thinking about that and toward the end of the week I was telling somebody this and um and and to be honest with you you know I've, I, I don't like to make much of this I don't I'm not looking for a pity party or anything, but my back is always in a quite a bit of pain, and sometimes that causes me not to be able to concentrate very well. And I, I just got to thinking, isn't that just like the devil, right? Because this was a particularly bad week for me in physical ways. Uh, isn't it just like the devil to throw it on hot and heavy on a week when I want to talk about healing, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like he kind of came after me that way. And, and so yesterday morning, uh, I was reading my Bible first thing in the morning. I, I actually have it on my iPad, and so I have a Bible reading plan. And I, don't, I can't even tell you, I really don't know how many times I've read through the Bible. It's been a bunch. And I've, I've probably read this same psalm, I can't even tell you, countless times, uh, Psalm 38. And, uh, and I never noticed what David wrote there before. In verse, uh, chapter uh, 38, verse 7, he writes one line. He just simply says, my back is filled with searing pain. I thought, how have I, you know, you think of all people, I would have like, because that describes what I'm dealing with all the time. And I thought, isn't that interesting? That's in the Bible. I just couldn't believe it. Well, I kept reading, looking for some little ray of hope. And that's the most depressing psalm in the whole Bible. I mean, it just goes on and on about all the terrible things. But at the end of it all, his conclusion is, and this is the very end of that uh, chapter is he says, come quickly to help me, my Lord and my Savior. And that's what made me, all of a sudden for me yesterday morning in my devotional time, a corner turned. And as I just spoke those words out loud, I said, come quickly and help me, Lord. And I felt like the help of the Lord showed up. I mean, it was just an amazing moment. And so, uh, so you know, what I, but what it, how it encouraged me is to think about David, who was a man after God's own heart, who wrote so many of the Psalms, and he's just like a hero in the Old Testament. He had a back that was bad too, and I never noticed that before. You see what I'm saying? And, and he was waiting on the healing from God, right? And suddenly, you know, because sometimes you can judge yourself and think, well, you haven't received your, this is wrong thinking, by the way, you haven't received your healing yet because something's wrong with you. Does anybody ever think that way, or is it just me? Okay, I'm just wondering, because sometimes I think that way. I think, oh, there's, uh, you know, there's something wrong or something. And, and I'm just saying, no, 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 this is like, this is David at the best part of his life. And he's saying, I'm in a lot of pain here, and I need help from God. And uh, he hadn't experienced it yet. Maybe he did later in life, I don't know. But, but experiencing ongoing pain or sickness is hard. But here's the thing, when it comes to all that, I'm determined not to let my experience or any other of the myriad of hardships that, that are part of the human experience uh, or, you know, stop me from believing in God or characterizing God in a way that is other than the, his, his, 
He really is the kind of God that He is. Because this kind of thing that goes on when you experience ongoing sickness or pain or someone even dies prematurely or things like that, these things do not describe God's nature, nor do they describe His heart. They don't at all. It speaks, what it speaks of is the devastation of sin's entry into the world through, through the original sin plus our sin and, and an enemy of God who seeks to torment people because they are the crown of God's creation. He hates God and he hates people. And so this is the, this is the dynamic we live in. Sin entered the world, sickness came with it, then you have an enemy who's using that as an advantage to try to hurt people and to take people out. And so there, there is so much that could be said about this subject of healing, but I want to answer two really hard questions today. First of all, where does sickness come from? And secondly, is it God's will to heal? And I'm gonna, maybe I'll even add the word, is it always God's will to heal? I'm going to answer that question. But first, let's talk about where does sickness come from? Now, you may not want to answer these questions, but you can. Um, and they're really not trick questions. This is, so go ahead and answer. This is fine. I'm sorry. I don't mean to scare you off. But, but if I were to ask you, is God all-powerful, you would say, yes, that's a good answer. That's a proper answer. If I were to ask you, can God do anything, you would say, okay, good. And if I said, did God create everything, you would say, Yes, he did. I mean, he did all that, right? And you'd be right in all of those answers to those questions. But a yes answer alone for these questions leads us to poor conclusions if we don't think it through. The answer is actually a little more detailed. First of all, God is all-powerful. That's a true statement. But in his power, and we call that omnipotence, all-powerful, okay? In, within his omnipotence, he has determined there are certain things he will not do, and in fact, his nature prohibits him from doing. So we say he can do all things, but we know God cannot sin. God cannot tell a lie. God cannot violate his own nature. He cannot... There, so, so, so then all of a sudden we go, okay, okay. When we, so when, when we said God can do all things, we're saying within a, a certain range of things because... And, and there's nothing he's not powerful enough to do, but his nature will not allow him to ever sin, to ever... Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? So we have to, to qualify that a bit uh, as we say that. And so, uh, when we, uh, so when we, we say he's all-powerful, yet there are things he cannot do. And we, we're connecting those dots now. Now, when we say, did God create everything? The answer is, of course, yes. But when God created everything, in its original order, in the original way that he made it, it was good. Right? So, so let me give you an example. For instance, God created a being whose name is Lucifer. Okay, and we read about this in the Old Testament. But Lucifer, uh, he was—he originally was an anointed cherub, in other words, like an angel, but 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 higher than any other angel. And uh, there's some indication that he might have been a musical creature. And the, the, some say he was the original worship leader of heaven. And I don't know that you can absolutely prove that, but there's something about his nature that was musical, and something about his appearance that was very very beautiful. And uh, it's just amazing to look at. And so this anointed cherub, this amazing creature that God created named Lucifer, was, was originally made by God to be good and to be right. But, but and for whatever reason, and I, I, my personal opinion, I can't prove this scripturally, is that he began to realize that God was going to create, okay, if you will, something even more profound, even more wonderful, even more wonderful to God, and that's you, right? 
And when Lucifer realized that, he thought, nah, I don't like the way God's running thing. I'm going to take over God's throne. He attempted to do that. A third of the angels in heaven joined him, and that began to be the fall of Satan and the demons that follow him. And so he, he changed from being Lucifer, this amazing anointed cherub, anointed angel of God, to becoming who we refer to as the devil or Satan. Okay? Jesus said, I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Jesus, of course, existed before he was born as a baby. He's always existed. And so in, in, in some time in the past, S Satan was cast out of heaven and he was cast down. So when we say, did God create Lucifer in a good way? Yes, of course he did. Did God create the devil? No, he didn't. The devil exists as a result of his choices. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not his original creation. This is important to distinguish. And so, so even though God created that being Lucifer, what Lucifer became was not God's doing. In other words, God didn't create the devil. That being exists because of his own rebellion against God. So you say, well, what does this have to do with healing? Why is this important? Because we have to get our thinking straight about God and wh what is his intention toward us and where, what's going on here. So, so we have to realize, and let me give you three things. If you're a note taker, write these down. First of all, uh, and I'll explain each of these briefly, but the first thing you have to understand is that God is not the source of sickness and pain. He is not the source of it. They exist only through sin on planet Earth uh, where God's presence and his will for people was removed since the original sin. And since mankind made the choice to rebel against the will of God, quite a bit of what happens on planet Earth is not orchestrated by God at all or is, is not his will. Does that make sense? It's not, it's not what he wants, but it's happening nonetheless. In fact, it's a wonder we see as much good as we do on this planet, if you think about it, that, that God is just intersecting us with goodness. And I believe that's really attributed to the prayers of the saints, honestly. I, I, I don't see it any other way. So God did not create evil. God, evil exists. God did not create sickness, even though it exists. You with me so far? The second thing I want to say about this is that everything that happens on planet earth is not God's will. This is a very important point. Um, I don't know where this kind of teaching comes from. I honestly don't. I, I hear it all the time. In fact, last night, Ron and I were watching a TV show, and they said something like this. They didn't use God, but they said, well, there's a purpose for everything in the show. And a lot of people will say, well, God had a pur has a purpose in everything. Now, even as I'm saying that, I can almost feel resistance in the room because we've begun to be so immersed in this kind of thought process that we think, oh, that's, that's really true. And we like the sound of that because anytime something bad happens to someone, we can just throw this little thing right on them and say, well, you know, God has a purpose in it. And that's supposed to make them feel better because they think, oh, there's some ultimate higher purpose of why my child is suffering or why I'm suffering or why this person died or why that happened to, you know, why somebody got hit with a hockey puck in the head. You know, it was like, God, God had, listen, can I just set us free from that kind of thinking today? That is not what God is up to. God doesn't go around hurting people and causing these things. In, in his, in I, I, I'm going to recommend three books today if you want to take it further. There's one you should write down named Authority to Heal by Ken Blue. Excellent, excellent book. He tells the story of a missionary who returned from his a missionary assignment after his eight-year-old daughter had died from diphtheria. And uh, he didn't have the conviction about God's will to heal, and so he didn't even know how to pray for his own daughter, thinking it, it may be the will of God that she has this. See, that's where that thinking will ultimately take you, and that's why it's so devastating and hard. 
And so later, someone asked him, he said, well, what would you do if you caught a man sneaking into your house and deliberately infecting your daughter with that diphtheria? What, what would you do? He says, well, I would, I would break that snake's neck with my bare hands. And, he, and so it's like what happened over time is he subconsciously began to hate God, the God that he had loved and trusted that had called him into the mission field. He had begun to hate God because he figured that somehow God was behind all that. And, and, and isn't that interesting that we would assign to God putting sickness on people when if somebody purposely did that to us, we would think of them as an enemy. How can that be? Isn't God better than the best of us? <laughs> Always? Infinitely better? So, so we got to get our thinking straight about God. See, people, people get sick or injured, ter- terrible, devastating things happen in people's lives. And because our thinking is wrong, we would say God had some purpose in that. And, you know, and, and we think wrongly that God is using that sickness to teach them a lesson. Listen to me now, okay? Oh, God's teaching them a lesson. He's teaching them to trust Him more, whatever. This is not scriptural. I'm making a clear statement. This is not Scripture. We think we're helping people when we say things like this to them, but we're actually distorting their view of God. And we need to say what the Bible says about bad situations, about sickness, about death, about anything else. Even though it's a bad thing, God will work it out for good. Saying, listen, God will work it out for good. Saying God will work it out for good does not mean that it was originally good. In fact, it tells us quite the opposite, doesn't it? Isn't that exactly what it's saying? That wasn't a good thing. And it didn't proceed from God, but no matter how bad that thing is in your life, no matter what you go through, no matter what trial you face, no matter how devastating the event that happened, God will work it out for good. That's what the Scripture teaches. See, there's a big difference there, isn't there? Now, keep listening to me, and this, a lot of this kind of blends together, but the third thing I want to say about this is that, and I've already kind of said it, but I want to just reiterate it, is God does not use sickness to teach people lessons. He works things out for good. He can take bad things in our lives and work them out. But working things out for good is completely different as seeing him from the originator. Does that make sense? And if we get our thinking straight about God, then we're not going to end up being what James says is double-minded. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, he doesn't have faith for anything. And if we're thinking as I'm getting ready to pray for somebody that's sick, that, well, maybe God is going to behind this in some way. Maybe God has a purpose in it. Maybe God, no, listen, if we're thinking that at all, we're already defeated in our faith to believe. that we, we, If we don't know that we have an advocate in God, who is the only one who can bring that healing at that moment, right? If we don't know we have an advocate with God, who are we going to call on? You think the devil's going to help us? right? I know we have medical science. I praise God for our medical science and doctors and all that. No, listen, this is nothing about any of that. But listen, there's some things that they just can't do. There are a lot of things they can't do. And they'll, they'll be the first ones to tell you. So we need a God who can heal us. And in spite of even my own condition, I am, f- I am firmly ensconced in the conviction. I'm firmly tied to the conviction. And this is my second major point will be land in the plane fairly soon with this, but healing is the will of God. Healing really is God's will. Let me ask you a simple question. I think everybody will get this right. Do you believe that there is sickness or pain in heaven? No. In fact, we're pretty much told there's no more tears, there's no more sorrow, there's no no more war. All the bad stuff is gone when we get to heaven. If that's true, When Jesus taught us to pray, these words are so familiar to all, I'm sure. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in 
I mean, that's a sermon right there all by itself, isn't it? What's going on in heaven? There's no sickness. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. Jesus says, here's how I want you to pray. Pray that what's going on in heaven happens here. How could, how, God would be twisted. He would be warped to have two different wills like that. To have a will that would allow for sickness and pain and suffering here, right? While in heaven he's saying, no, it's not allowed. The problem is, will we pray? Will we, will we do what Jesus told us to do and pray and see that? Because the more the kingdom is established, this is, do you understand that's what Jesus mostly preached about was the kingdom? He kept saying the kingdom is near, the kingdom is near. And pretty soon he said the kingdom is here as he was getting ready to die on the cross. By the time the resurrection had happened, the kingdom was beginning to be established. The more the kingdom of God, that's what he came to show us, the kingdom of God. God is king. When God is king, there is no sickness. There's no more, you know, even death can't hold you. And, that, and Jesus proved that by raising people from the dead. Are we ever going to see this perfectly? Is everybody going to live forever in these bodies? I sure hope not. Right? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But there is a measure in which we can expect that there's healing coming, there's health coming, the sickness doesn't have a place in our bodies, and, and I don't care how long you've been suffering under something, today may be your day, today may be my day. And, and I, again, boy, it is not God's reluctance. Don't misunderstand. He's not reluctant. If God had His way in this moment, everyone in this room would be in perfect health. The kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God wants. That's what he wants. And when we do that, when we, through prayer and believing and through faith, we will see God's kingdom come. We will see evil overcome. We'll see darkness turn to light. We'll see sickness replaced, replaced with health. And as we go down this path of wholeness and healing, which, by the way, includes, I want to just say, emotional healing, mental healing. All, you know, the whole gambit is covered, trust me. These words in the Old Testament that Isaiah was talking about, and even in later on he'll say that, that he bore our sorrows. Do you understand? Even the sorrowful things that you're facing with in life, the troublesome things that, that maybe don't affect you physically but affect, affect you emotionally, God has come to heal those things as well. I once read a story about a single mom uh, whose son was dying from leukemia, and she asked the elders of her church to come and pray, and that's scriptural to do that. But when they did, they, they, they came reluctantly, and when they came, they, they had a very much a lack of faith proven by the way they prayed. They prayed prayers like this, if it be your will, or if it pleases you. And so when her son later died, she just trusted that the elders knew what they were doing. When her son later died, she began to have troubles reconciling her love for God to a God who, would, who would, could have healed her son but didn't. That's a problem. And that's bad teaching. That's bad teaching. Because praying God's will is a good thing, but, but we can know God's will about certain things, right? For instance, we would never pray, God, would you please bring uh, my Uncle Mike to salvation? Would you help him come to Christ if it be your will? We would look at each other, why are you praying if it be your will? Of course it's God's will. Of course it's His will to, to see people go to heaven when they die. And I'm just trying to say, can you get, get a thought in your mind right now that that's exactly how God feels about sickness? And you say, well, why aren't all people healed? Why aren't all people saved? Does it mean that God doesn't want them to be saved? No, absolutely not. He wants, he's not willing that any should perish. And I think you could write it, 
He's not willing that any would be sick. But we live in this fallen world where stuff happens and we're not seeing it fully yet. We see it in part. It's like looking through a glass darkly, Paul says, right? He's like, oh, there's something there. <laughs> and we're doing the best we can. We're trying to bring it into focus. And so we come to James chapter 5, and, and this is going to lead us into what we're going to end with in a minute here. But uh, he says, is any among you sick? He says, let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, look at these words, will, it will make the sick person well. Let's seal that into our hearts today. And then this next phrase, the Lord will raise them up. He will do it. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins. You know, what is the place of this? It's sometimes I think uh, it's not everything, but sometimes there's unconfessed sin that is prohibiting healing, okay? But it's not always that. Don't look at somebody who's not experienced their healing and say, oh, yeah, what's up with you, Pastor Sal, you know, Right? I'll tell you the truth, I confess my sins uh, daily, I think, uh, almost every day, but even this morning I knelt right there just before service and I asked God again, forgive me all my sins, God. And he says, if we confess our sins, he is what? He's faithful and will forgive us how many sins? All our sins and cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. So the moment you confess your sins to God... You're, you know what I'm saying? So, so let's not be judging other people based on that. In fact, the, the, the disciples tried to do that. They, they saw a man who was blind and they said, born blind. They said, well, I think, no, he was just blind. Uh, anyway, uh, he said to Jesus, well, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. Okay, so it's not a sin question always, but it could be. And uh, that's a big other topic, but I won't do it. But he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. F.F. Bosworth, here's another book, uh, Christ the Healer. Uh, a couple of us guys read this a little while back. Uh, um, here, he says, this is a great quote from, from Christ the Healer. He says, his compassionate heart, speaking of God, his compassionate heart yearns to heal us more than we have the capacity to desire it. And I think, wow, how can that be? I really, really desire the healing. You know what I'm saying? But his desire to heal me is greater than my desire to have it. And I believe that's true. I believe it's true. And then one more book I'm going to recommend. Jim Garlow writes a book called God Still Heals. I think this is one of the best books out there on the subject. God Still Heals. He says, he, this is something he says in his book. He says, when children get sick, their parents want them to get well. We would never say to a parent, I hope your child gets well if that's what you want. Right? All good parents want their children to be well. And there are, there, there are many good earthly fathers, but our Heavenly Father is better than all of us. Can you imagine God saying to himself, I think I'd like for my child to be ill just a little bit longer. No, it is always God's will for his, child, for his children to be well. The uh, Foursquare denomination was started by a woman by the name of Amy Semple McPherson back in the early 1900s. She was once asked, don't you think God makes us sick to make us better Christians? Here we go with this erroneous kind of thinking people have. She replied, no, I do not. I would never break my son's leg to make him stay home. I would never give my daughter blindness so that she would not go away. And I love this last line. I would not try to hold them by force if I could not hold them by love. Right? You getting it? So let's be clear about this. It is his will that you and I walk in healing and in health. I believe that with my whole heart. You guys can come back up for worship team.
And we're going to, uh, again, conclude with some communion here in a minute. God wants you to be healed today. He wants me to be healed today. And praise God, you know, that there is coming a time when sin, sickness, Satan exists no more. But we're working toward experiencing as much of God's kingdom here on earth as we can right now while we wait for that day. Amen? That's our goal. That's what we do as believers. That's why we're praying, kingdom come, will be done. Jesus told his disciples, heal the sick, heal the sick. And then he told his disciples that when you make disciples, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. He didn't even tell us, by the way, to pray for the sick, which is something we always do, isn't it? But he said to heal the sick. And I don't think praying is wrong. In fact, in James, a moment ago, we read, let the elders of the church pray the prayer of faith. It'll make the sick person well. Prayer is not necessarily wrong. But the thing is, is that Jesus was trying to tell them, listen, let's, let's get prayed up ahead of time, I think, <laughs> and then just lay hands on them and heal them. So Jesus, when he heals people, he doesn't really uh, ever stop and say, well, you know, begin to list all these things and talk to God. He just simply says, be loosed. And the ears are open. Or, or, or sometimes there's no prayer, there's nothing. He just puts mud in some guy's eyes and says, go wash yourself in the pool. I never thought about it till this week as I was reading that, and it just dawned on me, I thought, how marvelous. When God made man, what did he make him out of? Dust of the ground. Is it possible that that blind man had no eyes in his, sock, in his sockets at all? And that something about the mud, you understand, the dust of the ground, as God puts that on his eyes, it's like, here's God creating again. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say for sure. Whatever it was, when he went and washed in the pool of Siloam, he opened his eyes and he went, I can see. <laughs> I can see. So, so we just believe that God wants to heal. He told us through his disciples, he told us in the word, so let's just obey him and heal people. Right? Let's do it. You know, I quote this verse all the time. I can't help myself, but John 14, 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. There's no limitation on the works that Jesus did that we can't do them. No, we can do anything that Jesus did and more. Again, the prophet Isaiah saw something hundreds, six to seven hundred years before it happened. In, uh, he saw a man of sorrows, Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus dying for our sins. And then Peter in the New Testament quotes Isaiah. And I love that the tense changes because in the, in the Old Testament it says that, uh, it talks about it more in the present tense that he, uh, by his stripes we're healed and uh, that sort of thing. But I love how Peter changes it. He says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And then he quotes Isaiah, but listen, he changes the tense. By his wounds, you have been healed. Because The reason he could say that is because it took place at the cross. It was sealed at the cross. When Jesus died and, and the, the cup that we're going to receive in a moment representing the blood of Jesus, as we drink that, it's just grape juice here, but we're using it as an emblem, as a remembrance, as a sign that reminds us of what Jesus did. It wasn't just that he died on the cross, but he took those terrible beatings when they lashed him across his back in a horrific way and just so many wounds and stripes upon his back. But with every lash of that whip, it was speaking out healing for you, healing for me. He was, he was dying, he was, being su he, was suffering. he was tortured for our healing. And we can't let that go to waste today. So that when we receive that cup, that's what we're remembering. 
Not just that our sins are forgiven, that our sins made white as snow by the blood of Jesus, but that our, our healing was secured by that blood that dripped from his body as well. By his wounds you have been healed. Amen? So let's expect some miracles today. Let's stand together. God is good. God is good. Come on. Could you say that with me? God is good. Say it again. God is good. Let's never forget that. On the night of his crucifixion, he took bread and cup and he said, that cup is my blood. That We used to sing an old song. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There is power today. There's no power in the grape juice cup. There's power, right? Good. But there is power in remembering the price that was paid for us. There's power in the true blood of Jesus Christ. And today at the cross, we receive not only forgiveness of sins, but we receive that truth that by His wounds we're also healed. Amen? Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.